we can go into the word now from there. Thanks, guys. What an incredible thing to know that, uh, that God formed us, that he made us, that we are his. I've got preaching notes somewhere. Can I get it back? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Should I print two? Should I give you one next time? Yeah, well. Yeah, so God made us, he formed us. That's the word that we just got there. What an incredible knowledge to know. So this morning, I felt to preach on uh, how to train your child. (laughs) So next to that, I've got a little note to myself. I should have repeated that all along, careful. Um, So this is going online, so I will not say anything that I shouldn't say. And if I do, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, We can edit it out afterwards. (laughs) But I'm going to stay away from some of the topics um, of training your child. So it's not how to train your child. It's the, the title here is train your child. Right? So now... Here's the scary part of train your child. Do you know that you're going to train your child anyway? No matter what you do, you are going to train your child. Either you're going to do it thinking about what you're doing, or you're just going to do it without thinking. And I would want to have you after tonight, this morning, have it a resolve in your head to actually think about what you're doing every step of the way. While you are training your child. So, this morning is a great milestone for, for Anna May. And uh, it's an amazing thing. A milestone. It's, in the, in the Old Testament we see this. Like, every time something big happened, they took stones and they packed them down. And people do that. So, along the road, you'll see that there's a little erected thing on the side of the road with a number on it, every kilometer. And it says how far you are from the previous town, how far you're going to to the next town. It's an indicator. It's a milestone. It shows you where am I. And uh, if ever you break down and you phone services, you can actually give them that number. And they'll know exactly where you are on the road. So it's it's a marker alongside the road. So this morning for Anna May, she's been prayed into... The body of Christ is not really that, as she's been dedicated to God. It's a milestone. Her parents have gone and said, God, we want to pray her into your hand. We want to say, God, you've given her to us, but we also entrust her to you. We give her back. And with that, we've heard that Quibus and them took responsibility of raising Anime in the ways of the Lord. And here's the other part. This, you all said yes to actually co-labor with them in Anime's life. So congratulations for those that are not parents. You are parents now. And you have a responsibility to care for, to look after, to look out for every single day of her life. 
So she not only has two protectors, she has about 90 sworn-in witnesses that will help protect, help look after, and help in great grace to the parents give some input. Not a lot. Eh? <laughs> so, and, uh, but we, we all have hopes and dreams for our children. Uh, we also have hopes and dreams sometimes for other people's children. But for our own children, we have lots of hopes and dreams. And they are, they're related to many things. Sport would be one. Can our kids be better in sport? Uh, a career choice. Can they choose the right career path? You know, that's such a big thing for, for our kids these days. A career path that'll, that'll, that they would have an easier life, you know, economically. So academically, they now have to do something so that they can have that career. So we all want to support our kids. What's the other thing? Social life. Huh? We'd love our kids to have a great social life. Like maybe we were nerds at school and uh, we wouldn't want them to be nerds unless the nerds rule the world, like my kids know, right? The nerds rule the world. You have seen all these trenches that we, the nerds, are digging alongside the roads and putting those oranges things up. We are taking over the world. So just saying. <laughs> but we'd want our kids to fit in, to have a happy life, Right. Be good at sport. That's a big thing. Act. Yeah. Now we do. Because, Benjamin, if you're not good at sport, you fall off the skateboard. And then I have to fix that all the time. And it's costly. Not the skateboard. You. <laughs> so, and we're willing to sacrifice for our kids. Right? For our hopes and dreams for our children. Here's the scary part, guys. Very often... Those hopes and dreams are very much based on what we did or didn't do. Maybe we were not that in in school. And we hope for our kids to be a bit more in than we were. I was part of a surf crowd. And I wanted my kids to surf. Because I found lots of fun and acceptance in the surf crowd in my day. And they just never took to it. We live in, lived in Melpos, right? Like 500 meters from the beach. And uh, oh, Benjamin's an earth surfer now. Yeah, surfs the hills of of Otsuren with a powered skateboard. <laughs> but they never took to it. Why did I want them to surf? If I really think about it, it's because I found acceptance in a crowd of people. I found self worth there, and something of yes, it was. And I found a lot of fun. And I wanted them to have fun with me and, and stuff, but they just never really, they got, I think Michael got the stoke once. I've got photos of that. Benjamin tried harder. Um, but they never became what I would call a surfer. So, and that was based on me. That was based on my likes and my history and what I found was great. And so we do that. We either successful economically, and we want that for our kids, or we're not so successful economically, and we want our kids to do better. And what are we willing to sacrifice along the way to get our children what we either did have or didn't have? And it's dangerous. So 
we're not completely selfless as parents. No. Our kids are a reflection on us. Are they not? Kids, you're a reflection on us. Is that biblically correct? Yes, it is. So, one of the qualifications for eldership would be that my children are not allowed to be rebellious. Michael Benjamin, Nathan is not here. You're not allowed to be rebellious. Well, you can be, but if you are, I can no longer be an elder. That is, that is a reflection, with other words, on me. And with other words, God actually says that my children would be a reflection on me. And society would look at me and go, hmm, how can he lead a church? He can't lead his family. Right? So, because of that, actually I think it's impossible for us to be completely selfless. Because, guess what? If my kids had to become rebellious, I'd stamp that out of them very soon. Because <laughs> it would affect me and my ability of actually doing what God has laid on me to do. So what would I do? And it's not completely selfless. So as we train our children, how do we make decisions? How do we get their career path right? How do we get that balance right of driving them to sport? Often, yeah, if our kids do sport, we have to drive them to a different town. It might take you away out of the life of the church for a whole weekend. Um, It just happens. Uh, Academics. Exams have just passed, right? All of you finished? Great. Nathan, I'm sorry for you, but you're not finished with exams for the rest of your life. You're just starting. So Nathan ended his matric exams. Well done. <laughs> but it's just your last school exam. The big ones are starting now. <laughs> so, but enjoy the holiday. It's, it's going to be well-deserved. But... Yeah, career path. Where are we going next? It's a big choice. The world is open for you now. And we'd love you to do well. We, we do. But uh, how do we balance that with kingdom? How do we balance the sport and the academics and the studying for exams with life of church, of life of God, life of the kingdom? And it's hard to do. It's hard to do. Because we do want our kids to do well. So I've got some tips from the Bible. What are God's hopes and dreams for my children, for your children? Have you ever thought of that? What's God's hope? So what does God say about our children? Well, some of the scriptures that Bernard had this morning, Proverbs 16 verse 6, it says, Children... Or a crown to the aged and parents, uh, and parents are the pride of their children. So it's a two-way street. You are our crown. You, you're our gift, with other words. God gave you to us as a gift. And, uh, and you should be proud of your parents. Parents, you should protect your good name so that your parents, your kids can be proud of you. Uh, Psalm 127 says, Children are an heritage from God. Also a reward, right? Heritage. Offspring, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children born in one's youth. Also one you had. Right? Great. We didn't compare notes. So, 
God's saying that our children are ours. They're a great gift from God. What do we do with them? What does God want? So here's, a, here's another scripture in Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, Start children off on the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Also a scripture you had. I think the King James says, Train your child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Does that sound familiar? Funny how you get the old English memorized. <laughs> and it stays there. So, train your child in the way that it, they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Meaning, it's great advice. Guys, if we get it right before they are 13, 14 years old, God says, they'll probably stay on that road. What is Proverbs? Proverbs are wise sayings that are generally true. So that is not a guarantee that your child will not make the wrong decisions later on in life. Sorry. That's not what the Bible says. You can't say, but I trained my child well, and now God didn't keep his part of the bargain. That's not what Proverbs says. Proverbs is a wise saying that's generally true. And for us as parents, know that. You can't make your children's decisions for the rest of their lives. You can only influence the little bit in the beginning. After that, they're on their own. Around about 13, 14, they start doing their own thing. Progressively from that age, somewhere, sort of like a gray area, 18, 19, they leave home. There they go. That arrow that was in the quiver of the dad has now left the bow. It's got a direction. Is it going to hit the target, yes or no? You only have the arrow while you have it in your hand. The moment you let it go, it's too late. Aim should be true right there. And a small deviation in the beginning of your child's life could end up missing the target in the end. Great responsibility, parents. Great responsibility. Set your child off in the direction that they should go early on. And they will not depart from it. Set them off in the wrong direction. They will not depart from it. There's a thought. It goes both ways. What is the right direction for your child? Good academics, great success financially, great sportsman, rugby hero, champion surfer. What is the right direction for our children? What does God say? Okay. So what does God say? Deuteronomy 5 verse 29. God says this. So just to give context to Deuteronomy 5. Just before that in Deuteronomy, you read the law of God. Is that you shall and you shall not? Is Deuteronomy 5. It's God's law. The commandments that God gave Moses on the mountain. Right? And right after that, what does God say? He reveals his heart. So he's laid down a law. He set direction. He set boundaries into place for the world, for the rest of the, it still holds, né? the laws. They're still true. Né? They're not gone. It says, oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep 
all my commands, always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. There's God's heart. That's God's hopes and dreams for us and our children. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to me. God is truly selfless. What we do is not a reflection on God. What our kids do is, is not a reflection on God. He's got nothing riding on me doing the right thing. He is truly selfless. So what God wants for me is actually really good for me. What we want for our kids, hopefully we get it right. What God wants for our kids, he gets it 100% right. So let's line ourselves up for what God wants for our kids. So let me go... Let me throw this one in for the kids. Proverbs 1 verse 8. Lots of Proverbs. Right at the end. Sorry. I'm out of sequence. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. <laughs> Do not forsake your mother's teaching. There will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Valuable, that's what it says, right? Translating it for you. Listen to your father's commands. Listen to your mom's teachings because they will be valuable to you. You will be wearing them like jewelry, girls and boys. (laughs) And they'll make you look better. The advice of your parents. Fathers, let's go to Ephesians 6 verse 4. And mothers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in in the training and instruction of the Lord. So there's the the two sides of, of training your child. The one is children, you have to listen. The other side is fathers and mothers. Don't aggravate your children. Don't frustrate them. Why would you frustrate them if you do not train them in the ways of the Lord? If you're training them for self-gain. If, if I'm training my children so that I can look better. So that I can be an elder. So that I'm desperately going to try and get them not to be rebellious. Why? Because I want something out of us. Guess what? It won't work. My motive is wrong. My motive needs to be bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. What is that? What is that? So, God has dreams for us. He has a heart for us, for you, for the kids. And he's selfless. We have nothing to give God. You know that? Well, we have a lot we can give God. Love ourselves, yes. But we have nothing to give God that isn't already his. You know that? God doesn't need my love. Which is a bit difficult concept because we like to be needed. <laughs> you know, it's like, I love my wife. But part of why I love my wife is because she loves me back. And the other part is that she sort of needs my love. If I don't give my love, she becomes a little bit unhappy. 
And that is good for me to experience. You know that God isn't like that. My wife doesn't want godly love from me. (laughs) Because godly love is just one directional. God just loves us regardless. Without any need from us. Why am I saying that? We as parents need to get that concept in our, in our heads. We need to get this right so that I, we can show our children that, that that's what God's like. That's training God, uh, them in God's ways. So God is, I've said this, God is truly interested in what is good for us and our children. So God made us. We heard that this morning. Now, Does God really know what's best for me? You would ask. So, because what if it's in conflict? What if my child has a big exam coming up, but there's a very important thing happening in the life of the church? How do I choose? What if, what if you have to go to the church thing and they're going to sacrifice two or five or 10% in the exam to be part of kingdom of some thing happening in a church that might be an important thing what if uh, there's a 412 conference in the middle of an exam and your child decides like Michael (laughs) that he wants to go there in the middle of his exam he wrote exams the day before 412 conference started in Cape Town and two days later and in the middle there was the 412 conference and I went well, maybe he should rather stay in Oatsuren and study. This is a big exam for him. This could set the direction of his life. And he goes, no, Dad, I want to go to the conference. I don't want to miss out on what God's going to do, the life that I know is going to be breaking out there. And I'm going, oh, like, great. But, yo, is that even wise? Is that wise? One conference. How would I make that decision as a parent to help guide them? 10% an exam or a conference that could, and did it change your life? It changed his life. More towards God, maybe 5% in an exam missing. In the end, in the real world, where flesh and blood is just temporary and spirit is real, that closer to God is actually more important than the 5% that he might have gained studying. Unless you get 90, 90 plus, then you wouldn't have gained more. We'll wait for the points, though the marks to come. <laughs> How do I determine which one is right? Difficult decision, isn't it, parents? So, God made our children. I think we had that as well. Um, Psalm 139 verse 13. You read that? No. For you created my inmost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Parents, parents to be, read Psalm 139. It's all about how God makes us. How he knows us before we are made. How he puts us together unseen. Right? Now, if that's God, God puts our physical being and our spiritual being together. Wouldn't he know best what's good for us? 
the maker of me, the protector, the selfless one that loves me, wouldn't he know best? So what does he say? Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. It says, so it's the follow-up of the law. Remember when they asked Jesus, they said, what is the biggest law, the most important law? And he said this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So Deuteronomy 5 was the thou shalt and thou shalt not. But when they asked Jesus, what's the biggest law? What's the most important law? He went right past that and he went, you know what? My heart is this. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then he goes on, he says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So parents, here's how you do it. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, drive in your car, when you lie down, when you go to the beach and you lie around, when you get up in the morning. So when you lie down, do you read Bible to your little children? When you get up in the morning, do you pray in the car when you drop your children off at school? Tie them as symbols on your hand. Bind them on your forehead. Have you seen Jewish people walk around with a little block on their head? Right? That's what they do. They put the law in a little box and they tie it to their forehead. Have you seen that? Have you seen the guys? They're actually doing what God's asked them to do. Literally. What God wants you to know is put these commands in your frontal lobe of your head. If I'm right, doctors... That's where you make your decisions from, huh? Is frontal lobe? Prefrontal cortex. Thank you, students. <laughs> so God says, put my law there where you make your decisions. The box isn't going to help you. Put the box in your head. Right? Write them on the door frame of your house and of your gates. Have you seen people put a little box on the side of the Jewish people? They put a little box wooden piece on the frame, door frame. This is written in there. Deuteronomy 6 verse 6 to 5 to whatever. It's written there. It says, put it on your door frame. Why? So that you would remember God every time you walk through your door frame. It's the word on the door frame. And instruct your children like that. What is God saying? Make God part of your everyday life. When you wake up, when you eat breakfast, when you drive them to school, when you pick them up for sport, when you sit next to the sport field, when you cheer them on, when you make life decisions with them, when you feed them at the table, make God part of your everyday life because your children will follow your example. They're not going to do what you say they must do. They're going to do what they see you do. So to train your child, you have first have to train yourself. You are going to have to do these things. You are going to have to wake up in the morning and say, Good morning, God. 
what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to do it? Why do you want me to do it? Every day. And then your children will easily follow you. They'll just follow your example. They're great. They copy you. Yeah. So, God made us. What happened next? Well, God made Adam and Eve. And then Adam and Eve decided that they want to make their own decisions. We're not going to trust God. We trust our own call. We're going to do this or that. We're going to eat this fruit. And sin entered the world. Right? Story of the gospel. We, we need to tell our kids this. You need to train them in this. What happened next? Death entered the world. With that decision making. Why? Because Adam and Eve walked away from God's authority. They walked away from his love. And they walked away from his everlasting life. Spiritually. Materially. Your money. And in every other way. They broke. Actually the biggest thing relationally. We broke with God. The biggest thing. So God made us, why? For relationship with him. And we broke that. As we parents live in a relationship with God, our children's relationship with God will automatically flow from ours. That's how you train them. That's how you make decisions. What happened after that? Youth? What happened after they made the wrong decision? They were kicked out of the garden. And then? Not William. What happened next? (laughs) Come, I'm looking at you. (laughs) But Adam and Eve sinned, and then? Come, the story. Parents. Oops. My kids are also sitting here. I don't know, Genesis 1. <laughs> oh, what happened next? They, they sinned and then? Get of the garden. God kept them from going back into the garden, yes. They were going to die, yes. They had to look after themselves all of a sudden, yes. The exams were tough. This is worse. All your parents are watching. Life became more more harder for them. Here's what really happened. You're missing a very important part. So maybe my kids will remember this. I always want to cry. (laughs) Because I've read this to them many times. So this is what... You want to say it? Huh? You can say it without, without crying. Huh? You, you want to try? What happened? <laughs> Even though they sinned, um, God had an everlasting, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love towards them. Eka, well done. It worked. <laughs> The Jesus Storybook Bible. 
If you have small kids, buy it. It says this, after the story of Genesis, it says, you see, no matter what, in spite of everything, God would love his children with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And though they would forget him and run from him, deep in their hearts, God's children would miss him and always and long for him. Lost children, longing for their home. We need to imprint this on our children's heart. We need to read this to them over and over. Because God's plan, God's heart for us and our children was from the beginning, from Genesis 1, was to send Jesus so that we can be put back into relationship with him. See, we sacrifice for our children our time and our money and our plans for them. But God sacrificed himself. God paid for our children's lives and for ours. Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood so that we could be forgiven, so we can have relationship with him. We need to train our children into that. And what does God say? He says, love me. Why? Because it's good for you. What did Jesus say was the second biggest commandment, equal to the first? No, it's not a not. It's a do. Love your Lord, your God, with your whole heart, your whole being, and the second that is equal to that is? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you love God, which one's the biggest? If you ask that question, you didn't get it. If you ask the question, which one's more important, loving God or loving your neighbor? If you have to ask the question, you did not get in God's point. God's point is, if you love me, you will love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you love me. If we love each other, that's what he's saying. Your neighbor is the other guy in the church next to you. It's your brother from another mother. Ne? He says, we have to love one another like we love God. Our expression of loving God is seen in our love for one another. When Anna May gets sick to give food to the Fenter family, that is where people will see our love for one another and our love for God is shown in that. We need to set that example for our kids, how we love one another, in speech and in deed. So, in closing, you can't do this on your own. Why not? Well, I can love God on my own, but how will I show it without the church? Because it's love, love me, God says, and love your your fellow, your neighbor, the other guy in church. So actually without each other, we can't do it. We can't follow the command. There's a difficult thing. You can't do it in your own power. We need God's spirit. We need to pray for God's spirit. We need to be in relationship with God's spirit. We spoke about that four weeks ago. 
how the Holy Spirit is a person that we need to be in a personal relationship with. And then the great news, parents, your kids will follow your example. Start your children off in the way that they should go. And even when they grow old, they will not depart from it. So, here's the challenge, parents. It's the way that we live our life. When our children are small, that will determine the outcome of theirs. That is how you train your children well. It's by training, first of all, yourself. By doing God's bidding, that is how we can train our children well. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to me. That's God's heart. Is that we would love him. Can you hear that? Can you hear God's heart for us to love him? Oh, that my children would hearts would be inclined to me. Not that we would jump through hoops and tick boxes and follow laws and rules. But that we would keep his command of loving him first. And that the rest of our obedience would flow out of that place of loving God first. Good kids? Huh? Youth? Yeah. Can I pray for us? We're going to need God's spirit.